Waiting on the Lord. Our text is from Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So today we're going to talk about waiting, particularly waiting for the Lord. It certainly has its benefits. Renewed strength. If we use the imagery of an eagle, waiting gives us the ability to see the big picture as we soar above life and we can put things into perspective. Waiting for the Lord gives us stamina. We can run and not grow weary. We can go the distance. We can have that inner strength. Not only can we cope, but we can overcome. Now, who doesn't want that? Waiting. It's part of life. On average, we wait, I found some statistics, 32 minutes whenever we visit a doctor, 28 minutes in security lines whenever we travel, 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out, 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service, 38 hours each year waiting in traffic or 50 hours if you live in a real big city. Six months of your life waiting in line for things. I know we don't like waiting, but God calls us to wait on him. And it's a good thing, and I'll show you why. Six days creation, remember? Think about it. The entire Bible, from cover to cover, it's all about waiting. Six days Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and earth. Think about that. Why six days? God doesn't need six days to create something. He could do it all in the blink of an eye. So why does he take six days? I don't know the answer. But imagine if you'd been a spectator to it all, that creation. Think of all that waiting. God created the light and he separated from the darkness. And you would have cheered, wow, yay God. Let's see more. Make the animals. Make the sea creatures. And he would have said, No, that's enough for today. I'll do more tomorrow. Maybe God wants us to marvel a little more at the things he does for us. And then comes Genesis 3. The fall into sin and the great promise of a Savior God will send one, born of the woman, who will come and crush the serpent's head. It's the promise of Jesus. Well, that one involved a little waiting too, didn't it? The entire Old Testament, generation after generation after generation, waited for God's word to come to fulfillment, for the Messiah to come. A lot of what's in the Old Testament prophets is just another encouragement for people to keep waiting to not give up on God and his promise. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. The revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. And finally, Galatians 4 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And the waiting was over, right? Hardly. John chapter 2, Jesus says, My time has not yet come. 
Jesus spent a lot of his earthly life waiting for his time to come, waiting for his mission to be complete, to be finished, waiting to be sacrificed for you and me. If we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ, what does that mean? It means we're not just going to know the word more or pray more or worship better. It means we're going to have to wait more because Jesus waited. Luke chapter 12, he said we should seek first the kingdom of God in our lives. And if you want to know what seeking the kingdom of God first looks like, Jesus explained it right after in a parable. He defined it in terms of waiting. He said people who are seeking the kingdom of God first are like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. Jesus taught, he healed, he suffered, he died, he rose. And then the book of Acts. There's more waiting. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He tells the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't have to wait too long for that, but an angel said at his ascension, men of Galilee, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. To put it simple terms, more waiting this time for Jesus to come back. And it goes all the way to the end of the Bible, to the very last line, Revelations chapter 2. The last thing God says, Jesus says, I am coming soon. In other words, keep waiting, but I'm coming. And the church says in response, Amen, come Lord Jesus. In other words, okay Lord, we will wait we will wait for you to come again. You ever notice this about people in the Bible? Those who were commended by God almost always were the people who waited. Think of it. Abraham, the great patriarch, God told him he was going to have a son. He had to wait 24 years. Think of Job. He went through all that horrible suffering and his friends told him to just curse God and die. And it was tempting, but instead, Job said, All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. Remember Simeon and Anna waiting in the temple for the consolation of Israel, the birth of the Messiah. Remember Joseph of Arimathea, that rich man who took care of Jesus' body after his death on the cross? I forgot about this, but Mark and Luke tell us that what really defined his life wasn't his money. It was waiting. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. King David, the man after God's own heart, even wonder what it makes a man after God's own heart. Waiting on God seems to be a big factor if you read the Psalms. Psalm 27, David said, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. 
The opposite of all this is true too. Think about it. Those who were judged by God almost always were people who just couldn't wait for him any, anymore. Exodus 24. Nation of Israel have been rescued, delivered from the hands of Pharaoh and they find themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai and Moses is going up to the mountain to meet with God to get the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. Then he tells the elders of Israel, wait here for us until we come back to you. Forty days passed. They didn't wait. They made a golden calf and worshipped it. Remember 1 Samuel. Samuel tells King Saul, newly elected King Saul, to go to the city called Gilgal and wait for him there. But when Saul ran a little late, that was it for Saul. There was stuff to do. He just couldn't wait. And it cost him. I don't know about you, but I'm getting the impression that waiting is a big deal for God. I don't know if it's what Christianity is all about, but it must be a lot of what it's all about. It's kind of the essence of what our faith is, isn't it? Faith is waiting, waiting on the Lord, waiting for God to do his good work in his own time, in his own way. It's trusting God and saying, I'm going with your timing, Lord, even though I think I'd like my timing better. So I want to ask you today, how good are you at waiting? When you're at the checkout buying a jug of milk at 10 o'clock at night and the lady in front of you has two carts of groceries and lots and lots of coupons, I know what you're thinking. You're praying and you're saying, oh, thank you, God, for this opportunity to become more like Jesus as I have to wait. You go to Boston Pizza for a special dinner on Friday night without reservations. An hour later, you're still standing there and you're saying to your wife, I feel like Jesus more and more by the minute, don't you, honey? Hmm, we don't like to wait. We moan and groan a lot about that kind of waiting, but really that kind of waiting is not that big of a deal. That's just plain old waiting. Waiting on the Lord is different, and it's much more difficult. Waiting on the Lord is when you pray and pray and pray that God will do something, something that seems like he would want to do, and maybe he does, but for some reason, he's telling you no, or at least not yet. There's the teenage girl who's praying and waiting to see if anyone's going to invite her to grad. And that desire goes far deeper than anyone dance. She just wants someone to consider her to be special and valuable. There's the guy who's pushing 40, still waiting to get married. There's the young couple waiting to have kids. And they know what to do, but no matter what they do, just not happening for them. There's a guy who's been out of work for two years who's still waiting to find a good job. There's the new retiree 
who's waiting for his kids to turn their lives around and get back on track. There's the elderly who's been sick for so long now, just waiting to die. I wonder what you're waiting on the Lord for as you sit here in church today. Maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's different. I'll bet you there's something. We're all waiting on God for something. And no matter what it is you're waiting for, waiting for God to act, waiting for God to come through, well, let's just say it. It's hard. It's painful. It's not easy to wait. And the big question is, why? Why does God make us wait at all? I mean, he's all-powerful, right? He could provide us with a life of instant gratification. He could give us total and complete fulfillment right now. And if he loves us so much, like the Bible says he does, then why doesn't he? Why does he make us wait at all? Why does God make us wait? And if he can do anything, and if he's all-loving, why doesn't he bring us relief and answers now? I certainly don't understand all of this, but I believe, at least in part, what might be going on here. What God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. Now that's an interesting thought. Paul says, while we're waiting for God to set everything right, we suffer. Long suffering. That's how we used to translate the word. Patience. Long suffering. Long suffering produces perseverance, Paul says. And perseverance produces character and character produces hope god is producing these qualities in us while we wait what that means is that biblically waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want waiting is part of the process of becoming what god wants us to be do you believe that i do i believe that's true it has to be true God's in control. I know he is. Then my waiting on him can't be a mistake. It must have a purpose. And whatever you're waiting on God for must have a purpose too. That's why the scriptures are filled with one admonition after another, encouraging us to keep waiting, to not give up, to stick with God and trust him, especially in the big matters. Hebrews 9:28 says Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time not to bear sins but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him It's true in all other matters of our waiting you can trust him Isaiah says so Don't forget since ancient times no one has heard no ear has perceived no eye has seen any god besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. There's a reason, you know, why that encouragement is given so much in the scriptures. 
And the reason is because when we're made to wait by God, as we often are in this life for all kinds of things, it may be an opportunity for us to grow, for God to do his good work in us and make us more like Christ. But there's another side. Anytime God calls us to wait on him is also an opportunity for the evil one to lead us astray. Now, some of you are being made to wait by God right now and you know exactly what I mean. Because the temptation you face every day is to say, the heck with God, I'm sick of waiting. And you take things into your own hands. I think that can show up in one of two ways. Either you just give up on God Oh, you might still go to church occasionally, but there's a deep cynicism in you and you stop praying to God. You're not getting results. You stop trusting in God. You stop reading his word, relying on his promises. You stop relying on his grace. Or it shows up in willful disobedience. It gets too hard to wait. There's too much pressure. You're tired of fighting the fight, so you just quit. You give in and you start doing things you know are wrong. And some of you might be there in your life. And if you are, I want to tell you, there's a word from God for you today, if you're willing to hear it. If you're struggling with waiting on the Lord, Lamentations chapter 3 is a good place for you to start. The writer says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for the Lord. Do you hear what he's saying? Can you relate to it? He's been waiting for God to come through for a long time and so far he hasn't. He, he's just tired of it. He's under the just give up on God temptation. Listen to him. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. There's just so much. He doesn't know if he can take it anymore. It sounds an awful lot like depression. Maybe there's some mental health issues here. Just waiting for life to get better can cause that. And then comes the great little word, yet. Yet this I call to mind. And if you've been waiting and you're ready to say, the heck with God, this is what God wants you to call to mind. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. See, when you are called by God to wait, it's tough. It's hard. But over and over and over in his word, God encourages you to keep walking the path of obedience and wait for him. You know why? Because God is faithful. It's not that God acts faithfully God is faithful there's a difference 
If he just acted faithfully, he might change his action at any time. He might choose to not be faithful anymore for a bit, to not come through for you in the end. But that's not the way it works with our God. God is faithful. Faithfulness, trustworthiness, totally reliable. That's his nature. You can't act counter to your nature. No one can. Not even God. He is faithful and he can't be otherwise. That's just what he is. See, when we wait on the Lord, it's not like waiting on the Bombers to win the Grey Cup or the Jets to win the Stanley Cup. I don't want to shock you, but we need to say this. That may never happen. But when we wait on the Lord, we are waiting on someone that will not, in fact, cannot disappoint. The proof we have of God's faithfulness is in the cross where Jesus suffered and died for our sins and saved us. Promise given, promise fulfilled. That's the faith we share, the faith God gives in and through his Son. No matter what your struggles or challenges are, no matter what you are waiting on God for or how big it is, Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord, my soul, the very inmost part of my being waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, God says to you, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. So will you say that today? Will you wait for God just a little longer? Will you trust him? Forgive me for saying it, but that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? The only question is, will it be what you are all about? They who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen.